Got 25 to 75 people in your company? Check out knowyourcompany.com, software that helps companies like Airbnb know their company better. It is the Chicago Verse podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists and industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black. Welcome to Chicago. Haima Black, live from Virgin Hotel for Dynasty Podcasts. We're here another week. Shut up, Virgin Hotel. For hosting us, shout out Mallory, uh, new addition to the podcast team. She is keeping us on the air and recording. Uh, and I'm here with the man of the hour, uh, Kevin Koval. How are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Dude, thank you for coming up. Oh, yeah. No. We've had you on the podcast a few times, and it is always a pleasure. So uh, I'm really happy to have you here. No, I appreciate you, man. And thanks for, you know, and congrats on all your success, too. Dude, uh, likewise. No, likewise. man, you're, you're, you guys are blowing up. You know what I mean? Again, likewise. Yeah. So welcome to our hour of, of Kevin and I complimenting each other <laughs> and being like, no, you look very nice today. Which um, you do, by the way, man. I mean, you should, yeah. Here. <laughs> no, you hang out okay, first. Okay, right, Yeah. All right. So, uh, so, dude, you have really cool stuff happening right now. Uh, the biggest thing happening right now, A People's History of Chicago. This is the new book, uh, and it comes out in April, correct? Yeah, the, the, the pub date is April, but we got the launch party at the Harold Washington Library March 4th, um, which is Chicago's birthday right. or Incorporation Day. And so, yeah, we're going to, you know, kind of get live in sure. the library. And then there's <laughs> an after party at the Chicago Athletic Association that same uh, night. Ah, CAA. Great yeah. space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, can people pick up the book on the 4th? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll have all the books in the building. And, you know, uh, the Land- I've been working with the Landon Foundation to get every uh, student in Lotta Than a Bomb and, and every uh, English and history teacher in CPS to copy the book for oh, for the free. So that's killer. Yeah, that's killer. So you know we will talk about this book. Um, you know, let's do the quick thing because we've already done this on the podcast before. But just bring people up to speed. Your role with Louder Than a Bomb, young Chicago authors. Give us that again. Yeah, I'm a poet and and uh, one of the founders of Louder Than a Bomb, the artistic director of Young Chicago Authors, uh, and. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm, you know, essentially an educator and organizer in Chicago. And poet and writer and and you're you're around town and you're a mentor. I think that's a role that's really important uh, because you, through your work with Louder Than a Bomb and as an educator and as a writer, you have mentored a number of young talents, correct? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really lucky, man. I mean, we, we are in the midst of... Uh, you know, a renaissance in this city, you know, it's the greatest city in the world, also like the most horrific, but uh, it's also the best city. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, young people are are definitely changing the way that the city slash country runs. And I've been really lucky and privy to a lot of those incredible young geniuses who who are, I think, are changing the future for the better. So no, absolutely. I don't know if there's ever been a time in Chicago where young creatives have had more power and more potential you know, 20 years ago, I don't know if it was like that. 40 years ago, I don't know if it was like that, where if you were 17 or 19 or 22, you had a platform where you could actually make a real impact. Yeah, it's a beautiful paradigm shift. And I think, you know, I think folks have utilized the way technology has democratized in order to, you know, have power in their own hands. And I think I think that speaks, you know, to their intelligence, to their brilliance, to their ingenuity. And yeah, yeah. it's dope. Absolutely. And something I think that's important, and we're going to talk about the book in a moment, but something I think that's important is I think people, for a lot of people outside looking in, they think that this started with chance, but it's it's not just chance. Chance is doing incredible work, but 
there's been a spirit in this city for a long time. Oh man! Well, first of all, like we are a a a, a city of hustlers. You know, right. we're a city. Yeah, I mean, chance we, included. Oh, of course, yeah. And, sure. and he's in the tradition, and a lot, you know, a lot of folks are in the tradition. But this is this goes, you know, back to hawking shit out like the cart once you get off, the, you know, the boat or the the train or you know the sure. the, the horse buggy from you know from when once you landed. I it's mean, it's the guy in the L who's hustling with the yeah. Oh, yo, it's GQ. GQ. GQ is one of the first pe- uh, performer beatbox. <laughs> I saw who was like hustling on the green line on the red line it's it's soldiers at war you know out west oh, yeah. on Harlem like moving cassettes out the backpack at 10,000 a click I lost you know? 20 bucks on the on the CTA in high school because I the thought, enough. I thought I can, I'm not an idiot I can find the ball nope I lost 20 bucks <laughs> see, I, see I, I came up I came up on the old Maxwell Street and so I knew that hustle and one time I brought my man's Jeff Hoffenberg there and I'm like Jeff please do not play this game my dude and he's like nah nah I think I can get Everyone it I think I get the, one, the person before me won I'm like like, my man, that's part of the game. That's the like, mark. What, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, what is wrong with you? Also, like, they just, like, dapped up in the alley. What? what why did you not know that, you know? Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. So it's a long, long and then And then you see how, like, it, it is infectious, you know, that, that spirit of entrepreneurialism. Right. Um, and it's very much a play. And so in this book that's coming out this spring in People's History of Chicago, you really go into a history of Chicago, and you're really... You are covering it from a very humane and personal level. You're talking about the people who have made up the history of the city, really from the incorporation up to now, up to present day. And this book, it's, a, it's for anybody. It's essential reading for anybody who loves Chicago. I think essential reading for anyone who lives in Chicago. And what I wanted to do to kind of start us off, if you're cool with it, the last poem in the book, I would love if you could read that. I'm sure people would love to hear me not talking for a minute. And I'm going to let you preface this poem, but this really, this really hit me. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And we could do it together, too. We could do a little duet if it's you want. It's up to you. you. You tell me. <laughs> yeah? Sure. You want like a little popcorn read, maybe? <laughs> That's going to be fire. Sure. All right, good. Yeah, let's just you... go pa- uh, stanza for stanza. Okay. In, in, in um, you know, non-poetic terms, that's like paragraph for paragraph. Sure. You're with me, though. You're, right, you're, a, yeah. you're a college professor. I don't Something need to like... tell you shit. <laughs> All right. I'm going to let right. you lead with this. All right. This Chicago has my heart. Don't ask me to go. Don't force me to leave. When the coasts call, when the rents rise, when the city I know is unrecognizable, it's mine, not alone, not to own. Chicago has my heart at the lake on the train in the first days of spring that remind us why we live here at all, have bodies, can use them outside the cold, restrictions of clothing, the confines of neighborhood. Chicago has my heart. The land I'm most confident. Give me an address, I'll get us there. I know the grid, blocks, got people in these streets. Students whose family run the breakfast spot on 79th near Haki, who's still here building temples to black lives, monuments to Mama Gwendolyn. My family is here, my father, six blocks from me in Albany Park. The mayor of the city's broke dreams. He holds them in his growing belly. His breaking heart falling, asleep in front of the television, chatting through the night in his taxi, The city with money calls an Uber. He drives new residents to wherever they wish to go, thank God. For the hustle, the hustler, my father, the kindest, most incompetent businessman here. He doesn't swindle or cheat. He is honest and fair. What a sucker the city makes of sweet men. Like me, I guess. I just want justice and someone to read poems to. To you. Chicago, my heart, is all the people who make it who are making it barely in the 77 hoods. I hate the viaducts, the millionaires who urban plan them from the suburbs they resurrect downtown. Chicago, you have my heart. 
My whole history, my people, you saved seeking refuge here. Tucked in apartments in Ukrainian village in North Lawndale. You saved them from history. While destroying others. My mother left, my brother moved, my friends gone. Too much rent, debt, you killed some off. You are a ghost mound, I stalk still, Chicago. You have my heart, split in two like the city and stories you tell. But I am one, not two. I am one. Second will not do, you can't continue to break us in two. In remade, refurbished, renewed, models for the few. Chicago has my heart, but my head, my hands, my body with the people who build, who have a limit and can break and tear it down and stop it from becoming. What's it becoming? What is it becoming? Chicago has my heart, but the heart of those who call this home, who root and champion the losers and villains who run this place, who put on for the shitty pizza in Arctic weather, We will turn our backs on the very land we are locked in, turn our backs on the capital wage slaves you've made us become. We will burn your memory in effigy and house dance in the afterglow. We rise, Chicago. This body politic will rise. Our fire will burn again. Wow, dude. Hey, hey, that's good good work, man. Yeah. Thank you for letting me read that with you. Natural. You know, got to keep up. But so I, I, I read, I was reading through this and that poem just like, man, it just hit me. And something that I think that's very present in this story is it's kind of a sad story. And it's like it's a thorough, there's a thorough line narrative. There's a lot of repeating themes here. And one of the repeating themes are a lot of good men losing and getting taken advantage of in the story of those with power and means building their version of the city. And the winner is getting to tell the history. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with capitalism. That's the problem with white supremacy. That's the problem with patriarchy. And so, you know, part of the work I try to do is try to ensure that there are, you know, multiple spaces for many voices to tell a broader narrative about what it means to live. And yeah, yeah. And young Chicago authors and everything you do, it does, it accomplishes that. Let's get into some logistics of this book. It's an incredible book. And I want a lot of people to be able to read these poems, uh, you know, cold without having to hear them first. But thanks, man. Um, like, I guess, bring us into the beginning. Like, when did this start? You've written many books, but when did this project start to come together? Uh, you know, for a little while ago, I think I started to uh, write a lot, actually, about gentrification in Wicker Park in sure. the 90s. And, and I lived in Wicker Park, and my whole life has revolved around Wicker Park. That My grandfather moved from the Ukraine to the Ukraine, Ukrainian village in 1906. And so my whole life, and, and that's where Young Chicago Authors is. And mm-hmm. um, so I started to really investigate uh, what were some of the conditions that preceded that moment of gentrification in the early 90s. Um, and so just researching the history of kind of the globalization of a, a, an American economy, of a Chicago economy, I just started to dig essentially in the crates and records of Chicago history. And I became more and more fascinated with what I was uncovering. And part of what I wanted to do was, of course, like tell a story about you know, some of the so-called victors who ultimately are the greatest villains right. that we have and also champion the efforts and the victories of working people who we don't often consider. Because the way that Chicago has gone, it pushes the rest of the country to be more just, more fresh, better, 
more equitable. Uh, you know, Chicago, the reason why we got an eight-hour workday is because you know people organized and died for that right. You right. know, the reason why you know there are there are you know better and safer schools, and you know uh, the, the reason why there's kindergarten, the reason why like so much exists that is really for the people has to do with you know working and, and, and working people, people of color in this city that have made it so. And so I wanted to champion those folks as well. The the, the names that are forgotten. I mean, you talk about at the beginning how uh, uh, Dusable. You know, at the incorporation of Chicago, he doesn't have a street named after him. You know, yeah, like he just is this this footnote that only like people who people like Kevin Colville or people who go to like the Chicago History Museum might know of. Well, you know, of course there is. I mean, you know, there's the Dusable Museum of uh, you know African American history. Uh, you know, that was started by Dr. Burroughs and her husband and started out of their basement and and so people have been making a a point for a long time to ensure that you know the, that you know Dusable's history that the history of people of color the history of working people the history of women in this city is also championed in the same way that you know I mean I, you know you, you walk down this how many Pulaski's how many Cicero's how many corrupt mayors and politicians we're a block and, away from well, Trump Tower yeah exactly you yeah. know what I mean and so this is this is history incarnate and part of what I'm hoping that we could collectively do is break that repetition break that cycle in order to move forward in a different kind of way no absolutely so this book is dropping in the spring and i saw that you're going to be doing readings in every chicago neighborhood with it is that the case yeah that's the plan uh so i'm trying to yeah i'm trying to do well i'm trying to do 180 readings in 365 days uh you know one for every year of the incorporation of the city and yeah at least one in every neighborhood uh, do you already have venues picked out for all those, or is it still kind of an abstract right now? Yeah, no, I mean, we're definitely booking, um, and I'll kind of go anywhere. Like, I want to do, you know, I do, obviously, I read at a lot of schools, high right. schools, colleges, but I'm also trying to do a lot of dive bars, a lot of backyard barbecues, a lot of family reunions. Uh, get a lot with of, the people. Get with the people. And, yeah. and, and um, you know, so there's two things. One is that, you know, a lot of the readings are going to have a workshop component where I'm essentially trying to create a larger narrative uh, you know that will incorporate. I, there's, you know, there's only 77 poems in the book, so there's giant gaps. Right. And part of what I want to do is have folks also add their own voice, their own experience, their own history to this larger archive that will live in perpetuity with the Chicago Public Library Foundation and the Chicago Public Library. And so I'll be doing some workshops around it, getting people to add their narrative, and then at least one time a month, you know, uh, we're going to do like a larger event. So in April. Um, we have the release March 4th, the launch March, March 4th in April. I'm going to uh, curate a, a gallery show with Chicago Trueborn of uh, street mm-hmm. graffiti artists and, and uh, fine artists in their space. In May, we're going to do a barbecue uh, at Kimsky. Um, my man revises Juan Kim's joint uh, at the Marie Packaged Good and Liquors. Oh, it's going to yeah. be like a Chicago mix. Because, like, you know, Juan does like... Um, have you had him on the show, by the way? No. You should have it. This but dude, I, I love you know, Maria's. Yeah, and you know, you know the restaurant that just opened recently is yes. the Polish I eaten there yet, Korean fusion restaurant. I used to live right down the block. And so here's the thing I don't drink. Okay. But, oh, well, damn. But here's the thing. No, do I. I. Apple juice. I never started drinking, so it's not like I have a drinking. You want to get a shot? You want to have a shot? Not right now. Okay. I mean, look, maybe tonight though. But I bring it up because it could I, happen tonight. I'm not somebody who's like, oh man, I can't go to a bar because I'm going to be. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know. I don't have any worry about that. So for me, I only go to bars that I'm like, the vibe has to be so good that it doesn't matter that I don't drink, so I'm going to just enjoy myself. Yeah. And Maria's is that place. I love oh, Maria's. Oh, man, I love it, yeah. And it's such a great neighborhood. Music's good. And you know what? It is that story. It's the story in this in these kind of books where it's like you have a an immigrant family that, like, 
open up this neighborhood place that's just as authentic as it gets, and it's all community. Yeah. And so you Chicago. You, you got to eat there, though. My, okay, my man's next, food is delicious. That's the next plan. It's, it's Polish-Korean fusion. Yeah. You know, and so we're going to have a barbecue there. So we got we got a bunch of things planned, you know, uh, throughout it. the course of the year. And I like that you said that, like, it sounds like this is going to almost be like kind of a crowdsourced, ongoing oh, yeah. project. So if somebody wants to add their own story to this, they say, you know what, there's this great historic Chicago event that isn't represented here. Where would that go, or how will that contribute to this? So, you know, we're building with Chicago Public Library Foundation and, of course, Young Chicago Authors and a few other organizations to begin to, you know, figure out the various technologies to build that archive. And it'll yeah. probably exist, you know, it'll probably exist in physical space at the Chicago Public Library, and then it'll also exist online in other various formats. And I think, I think part of the hope, so, you know, March 4th is Chicago's uh, Incorporation Day, so March right. 4th, 2017, we're doing the launch. March 4th, 2018, we want to come back a year later and do a Voices of the People's History of Chicago. And so what that would mean is that, and this is all like inside of the educational philosophy and program of Howard Zinn, of course, which right. the book itself is you know, modeled after. I mean, Howard was a, a intellectual mentor. I met him before he transitioned, and my publisher was Howard's literary agent uh, for a very long time. And so you know, the plan is on March 4th, 2018, to come back and over the course of the year, you know, bring some of the folks that I've met and Chicago personalities and musicians and different artists to the Metro on March 4th, 2018 oh, and do like a, you know, larger piece about, you know, what, you know, what, what is the real story of the city from the people who live it, who work here, who love here, who create here and, and really who are, you know, bent on creating a more just and equitable Chicago for all people. So I'm going to put that in my calendar tonight for a year from now in, in 2018. But it's like, Let's get it. you mean you bring up Metro. It's like there's so many Chicago stories endless. You could have just done a book about the history of just the Metro I would, or the history of the yeah. music venues. Like Double Door just, just shut down. Yeah. And you talk about the gentrification of Chicago. Yeah. Or the history of like Clark and Belmont as an alternative subculture. Like, and so there's a million stories in Chicago, you know, and I love that kind of thing. I love it. It's fascinating. I think that. Chicago culture makes us a city that's worth staying here for versus just going to the coast. I, I mean, no one should go to those. You know, First of all, <laughs> those places are going to be like in the ocean very soon. And so ultimately, people should get hip. Get yourself a <laughs> Chicago apartment. It'll be beachfront property soon enough. We got um, water here? Yeah, we got yeah, we got a lot of water. We're going to have more water take maybe soon. There's a lot of things you can't see. Sahara, we're going to have to talk to her about Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, all the coasts are like ultimately withering because uh, it's pumped up on, you know, plastic surgery and hot air. And, you know, really, really I mean, if we, could, if we could help folks who create stay, you know. Well, I think that that's something that, that has changed post-chance. You know, if we look at the, the biggest names in Chicago music and culture pre-chance, Fall Out Boy, Kanye West, like they left for LA. Yeah. And Chance is here. And more and more of the post Chance creative culture is staying here in Chicago. You uh, know? You know, Ch so Chance wrote the forward for the book. Right. You know, and he says something really, he says a bunch of things that are really beautiful. And one of the things he says, he, you know, the reason why he didn't stay in LA is because he felt that it didn't feel right for him to grow in that environment. Right. That this was the, Chicago was the environment that he was born in. And in it, he talks about how a plant can't grow outside of their natural habitat. And so similarly, he feels like Chicago is, you know, the, the soil here is literally rich for him and other folks to really emerge in and, and to grow and prosper in. And I, I think that is, that is significant. And I think, I, honestly, I think it's also, it's, it's, 
it, you know, your podcast is a part of that. You know, the more and more, it, it really is, like, because we need to also, like, claim our own. You know, there was a time in, in the history of Chicago hip-hop, even, where it was Haterville. You know, where oh, people yeah. didn't put on for one another. Sure. Where now there's all these cl- rich collaborations. People Pivot, really yeah. rock with each other. Everybody. You know, and, and there, was, that, there was a time where, like, you would see a mug from Kong. You'd be like, yo, man, I fucking hate you. You know what I mean? I, dude, I remember those days. Yeah. I do. I've worked in Chicago music long, and I've been doing this 19 years now. And it's like, it was not like it is now. I mean, yeah. you saw today, I'm sure, on Twitter that Chance bought yeah. all the tickets for the movie Get Out in, uh, in yeah. Chatham. And yeah, it's yeah. like, that was not happening and even like going back so uh, okay pumpkins are my favorite band i grew up on smashing pumpkins i was exactly the right age where if you were an angry 14 year old white kid in the suburbs or you didn't have to be white but like if you were an angry 14 year old teenager in the suburbs in the 90s guess who your band was right right. but it's like even the pumpkins i remember in 1997 wanted to do a free concert this is when they were coming off their super fame for the melancholy and the infinite sadness album they wanted to do a free concert in grant park in like 1997 for all the fans they just wanted to make it like you don't have to buy a ticket. You just show up as a way of saying thank you to Chicago. And the city wouldn't let them. And it was such a sad, like, example of, like, bureaucracy and, and all these things, right? And, yeah. I mean, that's not as high stakes as a lot of the examples in the book. But it was one of those things where it's like, man, like, this great moment for culture that could have happened here, you know. And there's just a billion examples of that. But, but that is because the city gets it wrong so often. And I think culture obviously gets it right so often. Right. And I think, I, I think the power of culture is that, you know, if you, if you can change the culture, you can change the politic, change the policy. Well, and that's what Chance is doing on a lot of levels right yeah. now. Yeah. So, so this book, it's incredible. There's great stories in here. Um, I want to talk about a couple of the poems in here. And again, I want to leave a lot of this for people to discover themselves. But, like, for example, something that stood out to me... And I want to find it. The Mole Man. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the Mole Man B-Tapes joint. Yeah. Yeah. What page is that? Uh, you're asking all the right questions. I really have no idea. <laughs> um, Follow along in your textbooks. Yeah. I think uh, 61. 61. Yeah. Okay. So just as an example here, we were talking about this before the mics, Ron. Of course, now... There's great hip-hop resources in the city, Fake Shore Drive, closed sessions, on and on. Uh, everybody knows about Chance. Everybody knows about Pivot. Everybody knows about Vic, like, on and on. But there was a time, not even that long ago, where hip-hop was underground in Chicago. It was, like, something you had to go out and seek. And you talk about in this book, you know, in on page 61 here, Mole Man beat tapes. And beat tapes used to be a real thing in the city. Mole Man were putting on. They were hustling. I remember that. And you're talking about, like, going to Gramophone, finding cassettes. Like, kind of talk about that time before... Before a fake shore or before a Spotify, when it was just very easy to discover culture in the Chicago. Yeah, well, I mean, you had to go outside of your house. That was that was you had one, to leave, right? Um, and and really, I mean, a, a generation of MCs were raised on moment beat tapes. Right. You know, that was what you kind of flocked f- to the store for, like <clears throat> hope to you know maybe tape off of uh, WHPK or something like that. Right. And so, you know, there is a really incredible story about Chicago hip hop. And you know, there's a documentary that's emerging midway. midway. We, yeah, yeah we had man. Them on the oh, dope. Yeah, last yeah. Summer. So I'm excited yeah. and that that is that era, you know. Right. And, and and they're talking with with a lot of the, a lot of the folks from that era. Um, that was very much about trying to carve out in the city creative cultural space that was not antagonistic to people and, and uh, people of color uh, Chicago space is at a premium 
and spaces for young people of color to gather are highly contested in Chicago because ultimately that freaks the powers that be out. Well, yeah, it used to be like there were no hip hop shows at venues. Like, I mean, I'm just thinking around the time that this is set in the 90s. Like, hip-hop, I was a teenager going out then, and I can't even think of where any like hip hop or people of color events would have even happened. Well, you know, Karis once said there used to be a time when rap music was illegal. And in the city of Chicago, yeah. uh, you know, they banned house parties. They banned, you know, well, they Keith banned can't raves. Here now. Keith can't perform. But even prior to that, you know, right. gatherings of young people of color were were criminalized, highly contested, and ultimately deemed illegal. You know, part of the reason why even like the, the, that the the uh, the rave ordinance in 2001 was sure. passed was had to do with young people gathering in order to create celebratory spaces that honored themselves unapologetically. And those those kinds of spaces ultimately are antagonistic to the dominant tropes of our society because they value different things in those spaces. And so being a Chicago kid in the you know nine, early 90s and seeking out hip-hop meant that you had to become a house kid, essentially, right. which is what happened to me. And, you know, the homie, you know, Boogie McLaren, who teaches dance and is a house philosopher and choreographer and incredible, like, bastion of this history and participant in the culture, talks about house's notion of radical inclusivity. That regardless of who you were, regardless of where you came from, Mm -hmm. you know, house opened a creative cultural space for you to jack your body if you had a body could move, could not move. It it opened up a space for for people of color, for queer people. I mean, I we had a. Uh, Dan Poliak and Lucy Stool from the Queen party at Smart Bar a few weeks ago on this podcast, and I went to Queen prior to that. And I worked at Boom Boom Room, you know, in my early 20s. What, really? Yeah. Oh. Back in the day, because the host of the electronic music show at Q101, where I worked, was one of the main producers of Boom Boom Room. So he brought me on when I was turning 21. So when I went to uh, when I went to Queen at Smart Bar, inclusivity was the word. Yeah. And I was like the least fashionable, straightest, schlubbiest, like just least, like if somebody was like, who doesn't belong here? Like I would, I had a police siren on my head. I was so brightly like not fitting in and they couldn't have been more welcoming. And that's what I think those kind of events do really well. They're very welcoming and they're very like, it's not about pushing people out. It's not about aggression. You know, it's about love and inclusivity. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's creating a whole different way to engage in the public sphere. Yeah. You know, and I think that that is beautiful. And I think young people uh, have have done that forever. You know, and I think in this city specifically, you know, there have been movements to create these kinds of spaces that value each person and that also try to build an alternative reality or counter narrative to, you know, the, the, the terror, I would say, of, uh, you know, the folks who remain in power. Right. Now, something else you cover in the book, and I mean, you cover a lot. You're covering so much Chicago history. In 525 years. 525 years. And we're just like handpicking a couple of music moments, but you have some things that really stood out to me from the music end. You talk about Kanye when he brings up that George Bush, I mean, the, the famous moment where he says George Bush doesn't care about black people. And there's a lot of praise for Kanye and how his mother, Dr. Donda West, raised him right. And I thought it was an interesting contrast to have that in here versus... And I'm a Kanye apologist, and I love Kanye West, and I love his music, so I'm not throwing him under the bus, but he's, you know, he's really challenged a lot of people right now. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting to prove is at that time where Kanye was really speaking for for the underdog, he was speaking for victims, and he was speaking for the voiceless. Yeah. And it was an interesting contrast, I thought. Yeah, and I, I'm not, I'm not, I love Kanye, and I think he is genius. I, I think that also he is a deeply troubled 
person yeah. who also has experienced, is experiencing, I imagine, various forms of post-traumatic stress disorder, who is, you know, still in mourning of his mother, sure. who is still, you know, wrestling with being a young person in and around the city of Chicago, a young person, of, a, a young man of color in and around the city and of Chicago. And a of success that I don't think any of us can wrap our head around. Yeah. That we've never lived through. Yeah, right. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I mean, I just... I hope that he continues to invest in his creative process because I think that will be the thing that ultimately, you know, brings him out of any fuckery that he may or may not be, uh, you know, mired in, I guess. No, absolutely. Uh, Something else that's covered towards the end is you talk about two really interesting moments. One is a little bit more abstract, I would imagine, or or more kind of like theoretical, which is when King Louis discovered the word Chirac. Mm -hmm. The other is more, you know, tangible, which is the moment that Chief Keefe played Lollapalooza. I was in that crowd, and that was that was something. Talk about those moments and putting Chief Keefe and Louie in the book. Yeah, I think they're important figures in, in the history of the city. Um, I don't think if, if Keefe... You know, Keefe really opened up a venue for in a lane for this moment in Chicago hip hop. Yeah, and he doesn't get enough credit, I don't think, for it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I gets agree. Gets very villainized, but I agree. And and I also think, like, I mean, I'm also a fan of Keefe. You know, right. and I also think at the time, you know, in, in 2011, 2012, particularly when the whole world seemed to be blaming a 17 year old young man for everything for the conditions of all of this systemic for fuckery, the entire city seemed crazy. Right. You know, and so in that moment moment when he was at Lollapalooza, it also seemed crazy to see a sea of white people mouth the N-word right. uh, without any form of you Awareness. know historical memory. Right. And that like, always makes me uncomfortable. It's like my man, it's like that is clearly not your word. You should be slapped in the face. Like do you not get the whole message that's being presented here? Yeah. No, uh, well obviously but that's also I think that's also what whiteness dictates into a, a, a historic amnesia. And part right. of the reason why I'm a student of history is because I'm trying to deconstruct the very legacy and maintenance of that white supremacist culture in order to move forward in a very different space. Well, and it's it's the super trite obvious cliche of like if you know, those who forget history, blah blah blah. You already know. But it but it's true. And yeah. it, it's obvious and trite, but it's true. Um, all right, so this book is coming out this spring, A People's History of Chicago. It's an incredible read. It's, I think, a very passionate, empowering, heartbreaking, informative, historical read. It's all these things and more. That's the blurb. Boom, on the back of the book. Yeah. There you go. But it's incredible, man. And you really, you're covering, you know, we just talked about some of the, like, more recent kind of pop culture moments in the book, but you're talking about, like, the history of Chicago on so many levels, you know, in the 1800s, like the white city, just so many amazing things. So I love this book. I'm really glad you wrote it. I'm Thank so you. glad you came up to talk about it. Thank and you. you know, this is not the last time we're going to have you on the mic. The mic is always on for you. And as things happen with this, please let us know. I want to, I want to, I don't know. I want to find something I can write to make it into that Yo, next year please. edition. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I would love, that'd be dope. Because yeah. I was that kid living at Clark and Belmont. Like, I didn't live there, but I was living at Clark and Belmont in the 90s in that subculture, yeah. and that opened my eyes to so much. That, like, that was my... Did you go to Medusa's? I, w- I missed Medusa's. Did you go to B-Side Cafe? No. Okay. Right. I w- so this is my story. Yeah, I, yeah. I was at a boarding school, a middle school, and it was a very sheltered boarding so I don't usually talk about this in the podcast very sheltered it was very like closed off and it was a cool I loved it I loved it because I got to live with my friends so I don't I got nothing negative to say 
but no TV, no movies. There was no internet. The internet didn't exist. No, of course. I was closed off to everything. I went to Royce Moore in eighth grade. Royce Moore School. It's a K through twelve in Evanston. Uh, Mike Kolar was there. He was what? a couple years older than me, which is amazing. I love that I went to school with That's Mike Kolar. He great. doesn't. He didn't know me then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, you, you. But you knew Mike Kolar. Even then, he was the guy on campus, right? That's so, so uh, I was in eighth grade, and a ninth grader took me to Clark and Belmont a couple weeks into my first year, my eighth grade year there. Took me to Clark and Belmont, and after I was at this totally cut off boarding school where like we were watching you know Beauty and the Beast like just nothing edgy he took me into Igor's dungeon and that was like a yeah. I mean it was Dorothy landing in Oz you know what I mean it just everything changed yeah so yeah. Uh, there's a million stories of Chicago and the power and the heartbreak and everything that it, it represents man and this book is an incredible document of that a people's history of Chicago by Kevin Koval man you know I love talking to you thank you man I Dude, really thank appreciate you. you yeah no absolutely thanks for having me and and let's you 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 tell stories on here and you gather stories on here so let's think about chopping up some of those stories for that archive yeah you know I think and, that's a good idea yeah yeah and maybe we could do a special like you know music history podcast where where you where you gather some of those stories I think that'd be dope maybe we can do something here's so here's a way we could mix that in Next, so this year is the 35th anniversary of Metro. Yeah. And I want to talk oh. to Joe Shanahan this year. So yeah, maybe there's go. a way we can do like a people's history of Metro and Chicago. So, and so, so I'm, I'm talking, so you should host this event because we're going to do it at the G-Man, like around. Right. Um, and Joe is down to do it. So let, yeah, we'll, we'll, All right. we'll figure it out. We're going to make That's something easy. really That's cool happen because okay. my favorite podcast I've ever done was when I interviewed Joe for the 30th anniversary of Metro. Yeah. And there's just questions you can ask Joe Shanahan. You can't ask Forever. anybody else. Forever, though. He could, he's got all the stories. You talk man. about Chicago yeah. history. He is living Chicago history. So I love True. it, man. Let's do more with this. You know I could not be a bigger fan of everything you're doing. Thank, Thank you, you again for coming up. Thank you. March 4th, come out. I hope to hope yes. see you. Harold Washington Library, the after parties of the Chicago Athletic Association. And also, we're in the middle of a lot of the bombs, so folks got to come. YoungChicagoAuthors.org for all the info. Uh, yeah, it's going to be good. I love it. Kevin Koval, you're the man. Thank you, man. Thank you. All right. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcast. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.